0: Are we Uh, gonna do? Okay, yeah. We're (laughs) accidentally live. (laughs) Hi, everyone. One second.
1: And welcome back to the Scooter Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, as always, we got Jameson Maxwell, Ty Lee. And this is part two of our roster breakdown. Uh, you want to see part one where we cover the defense? It's on our channel and it is on, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, make sure you uh, hit that subscribe button because we got a lot of good stuff coming. But anyways, let's just get down to business. OU faces a bit of an overhaul here with... Uh, With the offense, you know, after years of having the the um, Wunderkind, uh, Lincoln Riley, you know, both do like head coach and offense coordinating duties. We actually have a proper O.C. and Jeff Levy uh, coming from the uh, (coughs) Baylor offense. We don't need to talk about that Uh, like uh, (laughs) kind of tree. And uh, he's reuniting with his uh, good pal Dylan Gabriel. So there's a lot to it, a lot, a lot of new things, but you know, at the same time, I don't think it's a it's a total offensive overhaul, but we'll get into it uh, as we go down. So before we break down the roster specifically, um, I kind of want to ask, Jameson, uh, what do you think the offense is going to look like under a, a Jeff Levy system, and how is it going to look different from
2: what we've uh, been accustomed to with Lincoln Riley? Yeah, hopefully it looks fast. That's what I really want. That speed O. Oh, let's call it the speed offense. I want to get scores and scores fast. Um, you know, pound them up the middle with Eric Gray and you know, Javante Barnes, hopefully, and then just spread out the wide receivers far on the outside and get some big plays. Uh, honestly, I cannot wait because it just seems like a breath of fresh air. And with all that we've been dealing with and the critiques of is Lincoln Riley actually, you know, the, you know, the wonder kid, you know, coordinator coordinator um, it seems like we're getting something that's really worked well in the past and it'll be really exciting to watch.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I wonder if we're kind of getting the meerkat like Sam Bradford-esque uh, offense back, which is, you know, interesting. I, I
2: was thinking the exact same thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. So Ty, what, what are your thoughts on uh, the new levy system and, um your you know any differences i guess from lincoln
0: yeah so i think quick fast and in a hurry uh, comparatively it's going to be quick fast and in a hurry I, when you think about oklahoma offense in the past uh we'll say 15 years for comparison's sake you think of a fast offense because we were one of the first teams to sort of implement that uh like we talked about with with sam bradford back in the the 08 years and and onward but when you really look at the stats, I as I was reading for this episode, I was really shocked to see, uh, I guess we sort of intuitively knew it, but the, the number of snaps per game across the board in, in the Big 12, but specifically OU, has gone down drastically in the past 10 years. We used to be running a lot of plays uh, per game offensively, and now the average in the past couple of years has been uh, close to 30, sometimes over 30 less than we were running a decade ago. So that produces a lot of offense, naturally. So expect us to go a lot faster. That was Lebby's thing at Ole Miss. Obviously, as we get into positions, there are some, some sort of positional concerns that might limit or or change the things we can do. But I, you know, in short, expect a more traditional offense run until they give us the pass and then pass until they give us the run type thing. We're going to be running a lot more. I I wouldn't expect a 50-50 split and expect a lot more plays.
1: Yeah, and I think think the running game is something that a lot of people are excited about, myself included, because um, in the past, I feel like Lincoln's offense could just not, just completely ignore it. Um, And we saw that, you know, saw that I feel like a lot with like Kennedy Brooks, uh, even going as far back as like Trey Sermon being a little bit underutilized when he was at OU as mm-hmm. well. Um, and it's frustrating, but Levy loves himself like a he, he loves to integrate the running game. And I think that's something that's really exciting. But of course, he is a passing type of guy as well. So I, I think that balance is something that we've really needed. And it's something that I'm really excited about. Um, and, you know, obviously with DeMarco Murray, uh, having that running back room as well. It's going to be cool. It's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Let's start it out with the quarterbacks. So uh, gone is Caleb Williams, as you have known from the, you know, duh, you know. Uh, and, and is uh, Dylan Gabriel. Um, bit of a seasoned vet from what we've had uh, in, recent, in recent years where we've been kind of playing, you know, redshirt freshman and, you know, true freshman in Caleb Williams' case uh and now we have a a a, a new guy at the helm so jameson i'm sure you've been watching some stuff on gabriel um it's not even a competition thankfully they didn't do the whole oh we'll see how it goes it's gabriel and then a pretty large drop off uh and we'll talk about the depth a little bit later but what have you seen out of gabriel and uh how good do you think he can be for OU this year
2: Yeah, that's a big question. I feel like the OU fan base is pretty split on um, Gabriel. I feel like more optimist than pessimist because obviously the Sooners fan base is pretty optimistic in general. But there's still a lot to be said. There is a the big thing, and I've mentioned this on past pods to watch. Is it seems Dylan Gabriel does have a little bit of problems when you look at like the advanced stats of um, deeper passes and his accuracy. Um, So that's I feel like that's a pretty important um, you know scheme in terms of this new system with levy so i'm very curious that whenever you have those wide receivers lining up far on the outside rather than you know not as many on the inside um accuracy is a very very important thing um but the quarterback room that is something we really kind of just need to keep in the back of our mind because it it was very clear that this coaching staff really doesn't think much of the quarterback room beyond um Dylan Gabriel if something were to happen honestly this season could be in trash uh Davis Bevel, probably being the number two guy transfer out of pit you know he's tall and he's got good you know he throws the ball with some zip allegedly but other than that he, he obviously has his vices and then third string is general booty a guy that we got really really like really late in the recruiting cycle and just popped up here and here he is like we think he's a meme, but like this guy, like is the third string quarterback on this team.
1: Yeah, no, it's um, not looking great in terms of depth for sure. Uh, I will, I will say Davis Bevel, um, it, unless, you know, we have a lot of Pitt fans here. You might not know. Um, he's the guy who kind of, he came in third string, uh, came in and saved the Peach Bowl or almost saved the Peach Bowl for uh, Pitt um, last year when the second string guy went down because he um, Yeah, because Kenny Pickett was off to the league and he rested. So, um, yeah, he he has experience coming in and relieving, but like really that's kind of all he is. He's a really solid backup, I imagine, but you don't want him leading significant portions uh, of the offense. And I think that's something that, you know, we're going to have to look out for because Gabriel has had injury issues in the past in the recent past, in fact, so. We'll see how it goes. But um Ty, your thoughts on uh Gabriel. What what have you seen so far?
0: Yeah, so I think the the main thing that OU needs to keep in mind is sort of the situation that we were in prior to him coming. We we're very lucky to have him, and he's a very, very good sort of I, I don't want to say stopgap because it it sounds almost disposable. Uh not that you know, obviously everyone in the program is is replaceable as we've learned in this offseason, but he's He's sort of a stopgap guy. We don't have him for a long time. He's bringing in a lot of experience, obviously from arguably a lower level play at UCF, but he performed really well there. the The big point of concern for me is the one that that you guys have both broached on your own, and it's that that sort of injury history, and specifically because uh, Jeff Levy likes to run his quarterbacks, and he, we saw it with Gabriel at at UCF under Levy or Lebby, was uh, averaging almost 80, not, well, yeah, averaging almost 80 carries per season, which is a, a hefty bit for a quarterback. And those were not, you know, situation gets scrambled, you have to scramble. Those are, he likes to run his quarterbacks. We saw it with Matt Corral at Ole Miss. So that is, like I talked about in sort of my intro, one of those things where the tools that we have might cause us to approach the problem a little bit differently because if we're smart, you know we have to look at load management. I think Gabriel is going to be really, really good. I, I really do think he I think he'll outperform any realistic expectations well, I think he'll perform to the top end of real ex- realistic expectations. We'll say that, but the concern you know is is when we get later on in the season when guys are dinged up when the season is is dragging on and when we're starting to face some potential tougher games. Uh, in the conference championship you know hopefully and then and then whatever comes after that uh, there is some some concern there so it's I trust our coaching staff to be able to manage that and I think we are super super lucky to have a guy that has experience with our incoming offensive coordinator not just as oh I kind of know him like he was his starter and they were you know stars together uh, last time they worked together so that is is something that's really good and and I think it, just to close myself out, the big thing that that I'm keeping my framing for viewing everything that happens with Levy and with Dylan Gabriel this season specifically is it's a, it's a stopgap thing. And it's a thing that's there to sort of ease that transition to, to make that first year slump, especially when we have this mass exodus and, and giant changeover, this is just something that we can bring in almost, almost thinking of him as a, a consultant in a business sense, you know, we're bringing him in. He has the expertise. He's going to sit with us for this initial sort of start, but he's not going to be the guy that we have long-term, but he can bring and, you know, plug those holes stop gap and hopefully pass on some knowledge. And, you know, it obviously helps when you don't tank for recruiting as well. Uh, Cause this is not a draft based sport where you can tank and, and get better that the top performers get the best recruits. So we need to be performing well in the quarterback position to get good quarterbacks.
1: That, yeah, that is very true. It, it, it does kind of, I wonder if it is kind of more Jalen Hurtsy where it's one year and then he's done. Um, and I think partially some of that is based on how good he's going to be. And I, I don't really quite know what his ceiling is yet. And, you know, I'm, I'm so, I, I don't think any of us do, but um, Jameson, what, what do you have in mind is like, what's the ceiling for Dylan Gabriel? Is it like a trip to New York level for the Heisman? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, is it, are we, are we trying to dream big here or do you think he can just be a really good, reliable quarterback that can possibly win you a
2: big 12? I think his ceiling is top five quarterback in football. I think that's pretty honest. College obviously. Uh, yeah, yes. In college football, obviously not. in NFL. <laughs> oof, oof. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I think top five in college football is a good ceiling for him. Cause obviously, you know, top two is already taken there. That's just not going to happen. Um, but I, uh, I think what really the big thing is with Dylan Gabriel is knowing the system, obviously beforehand, succeeding in it and having a really good support staff in terms of coaches and players around him is why he's going to succeed and do well. People are going to make his job a lot easier because we've been hearing and talking like this offensive line that we have coming in is seasoned and there are a lot of old guys and, It's going to be a really, really good group. And we've talked about all the time, good offensive linemen make quarterbacks and running backs look exponentially better. We saw Sam Bradford have one of the best Heisman um, season in 2008, and his offensive line was nuts. I I know Sam Bradford is very talented, but that season you have to really give a lot of props to his offensive line. And obviously we know what happens when all of his offensive linemen go away. He gets hurt in BYU the next season. Um, but honestly, I, I really feel that if he has d- developed some bonds with some wide receivers here in camp, um, this offensive line is going to make him look really good.
1: Yeah, no, uh, uh, for sure. And you know, we'll dive a little bit deeper into the O line as the uh, pod progresses. For sure, that that's a unit that I think a lot of people are very very excited about uh, in terms of improvement. But uh, yeah, Ty, your your mm-hmm. thoughts? What do you think? What, what what's your ceiling? Uh, I know I know you're you're like. Yes, a good stopgap, but how good can that can he can he be? Is are we talking like, yeah, you know what I mean? You know what the question is.
0: Yeah, so I, I think I, I thinking about it, I think I can put a hard sort of it, it's not an empirical stat, but I, I can put a hard sort of stance down on this. I think first team all Big Twelve is a very realistic. I, as we as we dive deeper into this, you know, looking across the Big Twelve, obviously you never know what's going to happen. That's one of the beauties of college football. You never know what's going to happen. You never know who's going to develop. He's just going to have a breakout year. But I think first team all Big 12, very realistic. Best quarterback in the Big 12, I think, is a very achievable goal. Because, again, he has – it's a new system, but it's a new system for everyone. He has the continuity. Arguably, uh, he is better off in this offensive system than the guys who have been at OU their entire career because he's at least had a couple years with the OC. So, you know, not to dive into Mm -hmm. the weeds on that one, but I think he could be – the best quarterback in in the Big Twelve for sure because he is a guy that succeeds when he's in a position to succeed. I, we haven't seen him in a position not to succeed. I'm a, discounting injuries, you know, because that's a sort of, uh, I guess, you know, it, it's it's out of your control in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. But when he's in a position where he can succeed, I think he's going to succeed. I think coaching staff wise, he's in a position to succeed. Support system with a team around him, he's in a position a position to succeed. And I think it's important to mention. Uh, as an OU fan and as an OU fan base based on sort of the the drama that we had in the quarterback room last year, I think his relationship with the fan base, one, because he's a completely different person from what I can tell than the last two guys, but I think what the OU fan base has gone through in the past couple years and him coming in and sort of coming into this new system that everyone has already bought into so heavily, I think he's going to be in a much more supportive system, you know, not just – I, I was you know I I'm of the belief that the the last two guys got the treatment that they deserved. I think you know one of them got treated better than he deserved, arguably, and it's not Caleb Williams, um, but oh. he's you know it's it's one of Oh-lee. those things. It's one of those things where that can eat at a guy. You know, getting booed by your home crowd certainly mm-hmm. cannot be good for. For the while, while
1: being undefeated. Yeah, I yeah. think
0: I think there's gonna be a lot of overt supports and, and a lot of very obvious, very clear, you can feel it in the air support across the board. And that's that's gonna help. I think best quarterback in the Big Twelve. You know, that was a I'm, really long-winded yeah. way to say first team and, all Big Twelve, which is what I started with. Who is this
2: competition?
1: Yeah, I mean that's mm-hmm. the thing, is it's like Blake Chapin at Baylor. Uh you got JT Daniels at West Virginia. I think West Virginia is gonna be really bad, so I, I don't think he's gonna be up there. You got Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers having a mid off over in Austin.
2: So <laughs> hey, wasn't uh, it Spencer Sanders the first team um, pre All Big Twelve quarterback?
1: That's all you need to know. Spencer
2: All like, Big 12. What? like 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 honestly, I hope that ceiling it would be a, be a little bit higher. Um, Than all Big 12 first team quarterback, um, but I think that is a very realistic and goal that probably should happen. I think that is the favorite in my eyes. Spencer Sanders ends the season as the first team Big 12 quarterback. What the hell happened? Honestly, like I, I absolutely, my mind would be blown. It,
1: in a weird way, it would be like either Gabriel got hurt or like something has gone horribly wrong with the offense. If if Sanders gets in over him like that. <laughs> Because Sanders, uh, look, we I've seen enough. I don't think he can be remotely that good of
2: a quarterback. I mean, come on. He's, I, I don't think he's that good. No, I, y'all know my thoughts on him. We will talk plenty about Oklahoma State. Let's move on to running backs, though. We've talked a lot about quarterback because,
1: yes, I mean, it's
2: fun to talk about, but there's really not too much discussion to be had. There's just a lot of wait and see kind of thing. It's a lot of speculation. But the running back room, I think that's completely different. We've talked about that with Levy's scheme, that he loves running his running backs. And Eric Gray is poised for a big-time year. Bobby also was talking a little, a little bit earlier in the pod. It seems like we've had a lot of kind of second-string running backs that kind of get overshadowed, and we give you know the ball to three or four different guys, and we're not giving guys the run that they deserve. Eric Gray, very, very talented. I feel like we bragged about him all the time, but it just seems like he didn't get enough run last year. He's a huge leader within this offense. Seems like a lot of people respect him. And very, very talented. He'll be clear RB1. And behind him, RB2, I truly think it's Javante Barnes. Sorry, Ty, I don't think it's Marcus Major. Javante Barnes, even though it looks like from some of the uh, pre-fall camp stuff, he has kind of a little bit of a slump than at the beginning in the spring when he looked like an absolute monster but this guy's got athleticism off the charts and he's going to be so fun to watch. I'm really excited about Javante Barnes. Yeah, no, I mean this this running back stable is
1: really really interesting because I feel like we have a lot of other than gray. I feel like like we have a lot of guys who, have, who are like really unproven but very exciting. I think Javante Barnes is one of them. I've heard really good things about Gavin Sawchuck as well, another freshman. And then Marcus Major, who has like had his moments, but hasn't broken through in the way that we've kind of wanted him to for one reason or another. Um, but no, I, I I don't know. Barnes is definitely a name to circle. Um, but you know, it, for me, though, those the pair of freshmen, I, I want to see which one of those like kind of becomes one of those breakout guys. I feel like one of them will. Yeah, I, I? do too.
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, in defense of my man, Marcus Major, hopefully this fall, because it's <laughs> been a problem before. Hopefully this fall, he remembers to enroll in classes. I don't even know how you can forget he, to do that. He uh, turned it as, around. He turned it around. He's on the fine. Football team But he has remembered to enroll, hopefully. Uh, certainly we're on top of that. But an interesting comment that Jeff Levy had, uh, it, I don't know what day it was, uh, in the past 48 hours, uh, or I guess 72, because it's, it's Sunday. Uh, But someone had asked him about the depth in the running back room because that's one of the rooms where we have sort of all of these people lined up to be breakout stars. And this is very interesting to me, especially in Eric Gray's case, is Levy said that he didn't feel like there was a whole lot of depth when it came to actual experience in that room. So what that meant exactly, I'm not entirely sure. Honestly, it's on me for not watching the entire press conference. But even, you know, devoid of context, I think that was an interesting uh, choice of words there, but I think it is important to note again that we're going to be running dedicated, you know, halfback runs, fullback, you know, backfield runs, dedicated backfield runs a lot more than we have been used to in the past under Lincoln Riley. And I think it's important because even if we don't see an increase in performance from, uh, we'll say Eric Gray specifically, the stats are going to look better because he's going to have more carries. Because at the end of the day, you know, it, a lot of the times you get into, oh, this many yards on this many carries or averaging this. But a lot of the times you just see yards and touchdowns. And yep. those are going to increase when you get more chances either way. You know, it's it's shooting 50 shots versus shooting 100 shots. Uh, you, you're bound to hit a few more. So, But I, I think he will increase in production. I think we will see a step up because I think that – uh, one of the other things Levy sort of hinted at with the running backs specifically was they weren't really in a position to succeed. Regardless of how good the line was, it was almost a, a weird sort of afterthought even that the, the running backs were back there. We were such a quarterback heavy thing and running backs were sort of weirdly relegated not to diminish the role of a, a tight end. Cause obviously we, we utilize tight ends a lot, but sort of like a tight end thing. Like it was just like, Oh yeah, this is also a tool here that we can kind of use when the main WRs, and the QB aren't working. Uh, this is not the offense that we're going to be dealing with now. So I think that I expect a, a significant increase in actual performance by Eric Gray. And if he's in a position where he's better able to be supported by the coaching, by the play calling, by everything around him, I think this is really going to be a resume billet point year. So I don't know, you know, doesn't have to be any awards, doesn't have to be anything crazy. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, after this year, he's going to go first round in the draft, but I think that he's going to be a firm, you know, number one running back. And I think he's going to get national attention. Oh, look at what Eric Gray is doing over at at OU. And at the same time, the other guys are also going to get a lot of
1: chances. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers fantasy contests all season long to compete for millions in prizes. So, download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app. Now, sign up with promo code TPPN, click on the Rainmakers tile, and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in free prizes all football season while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. That's promo code TPPN. Build. Play. Win. Only at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent on type and numbers uh, of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Uh, Jameson, anything else you want to cover on the running backs or should we move no, to wide
2: receivers? Let's, let's move to wide receivers because honestly, yeah. you know, running back, I said it earlier, I'm very intrigued because there's a lot of new faces and a lot of freshmen that I think will be getting decent run. And like Bobby said, and I agree, there's going to be a darling child, but I think it's going to be Javante Barnes, but who knows it could be Sawchuck that the fans are going to fall in love with. But the wide receivers, you know, there's also some breakout candidates here. Um, We already know Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims, very big staple guy, and hopefully, now that he stayed here at OU after saying he wasn't getting used enough in Lincoln Riley's system, that they're going to give him the respect and the attention that he deserves. On the other side, um, I guess you know, on the other outside, wide receiver, I wouldn't be surprised if Jalil Farouk beats the job, um, from Theo East. Allegedly, Jalil Farouk has been killing in a camp, and we saw how he did in the bowl game last year, um, kind of had a little bit of a coming out party. Very fortunate to still have him because he was a Caleb Williams guy in that recruiting class. But it seems like he's found a little home here, and he could have honestly that if you're talking about a breakout candidate for the offense this year, Jalil Farouk is probably your name you want to circle. Um, but then you know, on the inside, we always talk about Drake Stoops, um, in his senior season, that is a very, very, um, you know, reliable kind of guy, and then some other names just all across the wide receiver room that I just want to mention and we can talk about and just keep them in the back of your head. Um, I think Jaden Gibson, the freshman six foot five out of Florida, is a huge fun name to watch because he showed us a lot in the spring game. I think JJ Hester, um, uh, the uh, Missouri transfer wide receiver, he's been showing a lot of good things and he's got some athleticism. Another transfer with LV Bunkley Shelton um, as well uh, from Arizona area that I think could also be a, you know, a nice possession wide receiver. And then kind of those guys that have hidden on a roster in the, in the past, you know, like Brian Darby's and like Trey West and stuff. I'm sure you'll see a couple snaps here and there, but honestly, a, plenty of new faces, a lot of fun. Um, Bobby, what name out of those really gets you the most excited? And we just won't say Marvin Mims. What gives you the most ex- excitement out of those names? I mean, I, I, I said it in the spring and I, I'm
1: still kind of behind it, but, uh, you know, Jaleel Farouk has, has been the guy I've kind of circled a bit. Um, I, I'm still excited about him. I think he, you know, was one of those guys who did show a lot of potential, and I think I'm I, I'm definitely pumped about seeing him, uh, without a doubt. Um, I'm I know we're like kind of not sure on Weiss yet, but I want to see him healthy again. I think there is still a chance it hits. To be fair, that might still just be like me, uh, you know. Oh, who's, that, who's the guy we had that ended up transferring to Miami that just was always not that great? I'm Rambo! So
2: oh, yeah, Charles Charleston Rambo. Charleston
1: Rambo. Uh, the big yeah,
2: fisherman. The big fisherman.
1: <laughs> the Oisa, more, more, fishing, like more
2: fishing areas out there.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, him and Paul George, just love that. Fishing um, for the bag. Bag fishing. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, I think Theo, uh you know, this, I feel like, is – this is his last shot, I think, at OU. Um, I think he would have eligibility. I don't know if he's a true senior or not, or it doesn't show that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Wait. Yeah, so he's a senior, but, like, the COVID year also happened. So does that mean he's, yeah, like... He
0: would have another year, as far as I'm aware.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, Cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, Theoise, I think... Um, I think uh, I think this is this could be a year for him. I'm holding out for him for sure. So. Anyways,
0: with yeah, with Theo Weiss, you have to remember uh, he's dealt with injuries, which is a big thing. But you also we have to acknowledge he's he's been named to the the Campbell watch list. Uh, this year so obviously everyone gets people... put
2: on every single freaking watch list well <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it's but legitimately that's, you know, just we're hey, watching him
0: okay let me try to do some analysis here all there's right there's got to be some Excuse sort of me. there's got to be some sort of people you know looking at him but this is why i needed to bring that up but i've never been really that high on him i i don't you know that entire that's a, he's obviously not associated with with the other two from that sort of infamous no well now very infamous uh class of three five star receivers that came in and just sort of you know uh got all the hype in the world and then there was just not a whole lot there so he obviously has had some extenuating circumstances with with injury and stuff but i've never really been that that high on him i know we sort of discounted him but it's because it's such it's the obvious thing. This is Mims's year. I think Mims has uh some real, real potential for serious looking at potential awards, looking at first teams and and some serious stats. I, I think Mims could really, really get the exclamation points on a resume and on a lot of things here. I've I've never understood, honestly, i I've, I've really truly have never understood the the sense of loss with Mario Williams leaving, you know, not to continue to bring up old things, but he was like five six and never really did anything. I understand he was a freshman. Mims had an impact as a a freshman. Mims is an OU receiver. He's you know he's our current generation's Sterling Shepherd or C.D. Lamb. I, I you know I'm gonna die on that hill. He's gonna perform well and and he's really all that it is. And one of my big conspiracy theories within college football is the benefit of being the WR2 on a team. And I think at initial glance, that's the OE's, but the WR2 has the advantage of the guy that gets all the hype, the guy that gets all the the stats and is the big threat like Mims is, is going to get the best coverage when you're preparing as the opposing team, you know, week in and week out. And in college football, the difference in skill level is so huge and secondary is just such a hard position group to play that there's a tremendous advantage uh, in being that WR2 because a lot of times there just isn't the whole lot of depth there. Teams will have a really firm best corner and maybe a really firm best safety, but very rarely are you dealing with a team that has two really, really good safeties. Usually you'll have a really, really good one and then a one that's good, but you're just hoping he doesn't get cooked. So, I don't think it's the OEs. Uh, and I think there's a whole lot of depth there. And I I this is the position group I'm most excited about because there's really going to be some exciting uh developments and battles there to see who becomes that WR2. And I don't think it'll be mm-hmm. firm until after Red River.
2: I agree. I think that's about right. Um that's honestly there's a spot, maybe even two spots for the OU fans to really latch on to a wide receiver next to Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims, we've seen it. He can be a guy that could be an, a high-end possession wide receiver, but at the same time, you know, he's a downfield threat. And he's not gonna get 10 catches for 80 yards in a game. That's not his game. So there's a possession wide receiver slot open for the taking. And Theo Weiss, I would hope, would want to be that. There's plenty of other guys in this roster that can fill that role. Let's talk about the tight ends now. Um, this is a kind of very cut and dry tight end room. I think. I think you got a Braden Willis, who is great in the passing and has gotten better at blocking. Obviously, last year there was a lot of, you know, head scratching moments and misses in terms of blocking, but he came in as a wide receiver, a big body wide receiver, and he's still learning and he's really coming into form. And he's obviously a huge yoke now. And then in terms of heavy set, Daniel Parker, a guy that I know Ty's been talking a lot about and who he really likes. Um, really good blocker, one of the better blocking tight ends in college football coming out of Missouri last year. Weird to think that there is a really good player coming out of Missouri, but we nabbed <laughs> him. And um, he could be a goal line type of guy too. I wouldn't be surprised at all. He gets a plenty of play action, kind of little wheel routes going out into the end zone for um, some goal line plays. But beyond that, really, like Jason Llewellyn uh, being freshman, uh, you know, retro freshman, uh, you can look at him. And then Caden Helms, but they're they still need some more time. They really do. Uh, and so it's really a two-deep situation. And then kind of those Jason Llewellyn and Caden Helms in a later time.
1: Yeah, and there's something wrong with that. You and know, I, I messed it, up.
2: I said redshirt freshman. I'm sorry. He's freshman. He's just a regular freshman. My B.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, I, I, I agree. I think I think you really do have those two, and they both do completely different things. You know, Willis was kind of like that, you know for a while was more of like this weird kind of like kind of H back, but you know, whatever, but now he's kind of more like a true tight end. Um, And then, like you said, Parker is like that, you know, blocking, you know, classic, you know, tough nose tight end, um, which Jeff Levy loves to integrate tight ends like a lot uh, in his offense uh, from what I've seen and, and heard. So uh, Parker
2: is, is like, that's a Levy type of guy. So, uh, I'm excited about him. There's well. a reason we went out and got him quick, and he committed very fast after the Levy hire. Like, it, it did not take too much time. Obviously, there were some guys that Levy had been looking about at Ole Miss, and he probably just took over his folder and changed the name from Ole Miss to Oklahoma and <laughs> just moved over in the transfer portal. Just taped over it. Um, right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think it's clear. Yeah, they got some blue folders. They got some powder blue folders with a – an OU sticker on him, but <laughs> hey, I, I think smart. it's very clear that Daniel Parker is going to be our, our main guy because you don't you wouldn't transfer somewhere as a senior to play second fiddle or to you know sit on the bench when you're already a, a starter. So I, I think it's very obvious with that, and then to to further you know dive into that, it's everyone is new to the coaching staff. The coaching staff are the ones that determine who is, is playing. Obviously your, your practice performance, your summer performance, all that stuff is, is what matters, but the coaching staff determines who plays. And obviously Levy liked what he saw and there was some discussion there to get him to transfer here. But like we talked about, that's more of his type of, of guy. When we're looking at an offense that is much more traditional and and we're going to be running a lot, we're going to run until you open up the pass you want the guy that's a, a more traditional tight end. It sort of makes natural sense, you know, not to slight any of the other uh, tight ends that we have it Braden Willis, specifically the other, the other senior. But when you're a, a guy that's sort of been converted into, into the position, even if you performed well, completely different system and, and methodology and, and everything else, their stats are kind of similar. Daniel Parker took 12 receptions last year. Willis took 15. Uh, Daniel Parker had one more had three touchdowns Willis had had two there was a Willis did better on on yards and then average yards but it's they're pretty similar when it came to actual receiving I guess you'd really have to dive into the the game tape to see that stuff but it's going to be I think it's going to be a situation where both guys get some play time obviously one we're going to have to manage that because it could sort of telegraph what we're we're intending to do if you have a guy that's known as a receiver and a guy that's known as a blocker as a tight end you know that's going to be something that kind of telegraphs intentions maybe can open up some some trick plays but i think daniel parker is is our guy and i think i he's going to be another one of those guys that's in a situation where he was in a good position but i think daniel parker of, of all the guys we've talked about so far outside of eric gray this is the best situation he's been in in terms of a system that supports his style of play and it is really going to be again because he's a senior. That exclamation point on a resume potentially. So a guy with you know nothing else to leave on the table fits the system well. I understand he's new coming in, but I have high expectations.
2: Is or hey, this the Marcus Major stamp for you, Ty. That is Daniel Parker, your new Marcus Major.
0: No, I don't think so. Because we're talking <laughs> okay. about we're talking about a senior <laughs> with a proven track record versus. I tried to pull a, a true freshman out of the hat and, and say. Oh,
2: tie stamp of approval. you you never want it? No, <laughs> well,
0: I have. I've had some very good ones. Drake
2: Stoops. I'll give you Drake there Stoops. There was a debate Drake on this yeah.
0: podcast like three years ago about how uh, CD Lamb was a better receiver than Hollywood Brown, and I was like torn apart for that. And I was obviously I was a little bit ahead of my time, I will say, mm-hmm. but. You know, I, I've not, it has not all been Mims calls. That's true.
1: That's true. And I, and and this I also could wanna... be
0: their, their major calls. And this could be his breakout year. That one is not dead yet. That one is not, <laughs> is not gone
2: yet. I was, I've been playing NCAA 14 this past week. And I went into my depth chart and changed Marcus Major to a fullback. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No. It doesn't make any sense. But I was like, eh, I'd rather have him just at the fullback position. That's
1: funny. What about. Hey, I'm just saying, what about a double tight end system? You know, maybe put them both out there
2: at the same time. They they, they work so well. They're different. They're completely different. You know, obviously their stats might've been similar, but the way they play is very, very different. So honestly, that's going to be fun. But let's talk about the offensive line to finish out this podcast. Who's going to be right next to the tight end? We can go and talk left tackle and right tackle. Now, left tackle is probably the biggest storyline of this season in the offensive line, in my opinion. Um, Maybe even right tackle could be the biggest storyline is can Anton Harrison be a second, third round pick kind of guy um, at that position? Obviously, left tackle is the most sought after thing in the draft because it's really hard to come across a very good, productive left tackle. And as soon as a team gets one, their ceiling in the NFL goes up a lot higher. Obviously, I'm a Chargers fan, but you got to think, like, you know, Rashawn Slater comes in as a rookie and becomes an all-pro kind of guy, completely changes the ceiling and the talk of that whole team. So a kind of guy like that is really, really sought after, and his stock gets punched up in the draft grade. And can he be that guy? We saw he has the strength, the athleticism. But the problem is he had a little bit of problem with consistency here and there. And that might not be his fault because it seems like he didn't have a stable foothold on the job because Beanbow loved putting in Swinson over and over and over. Um, but maybe now that he's a little bit older and he's been through the system for two years now, um, that's his position and he doesn't have to look over his shoulder. I expect good things out of Anton Harrison. Um, you know, at the right tackle, Wanye Morris. I think Wanya Morris, we expected him be a huge part in the offense last year. Um, but unfortunately, it seems like the beat and bow system didn't really catch on to it as quick as other people did. Um, but now we know that he's got a lot of talent and he's had a year under his belt. Can he be a really good right tackle? Something that we have been lacking, I feel like, for a couple years now. Obviously, Tyrese Robinson was a huge head scratcher last year and a lot of times. Um, so, I'm honestly, the tackles are by far the biggest uh, – story points of these and then behind them just names to keep an um an eye on it seems like Savion bird is becoming bill beanbow's um kind of like little favorite recruit and he's before we know it he, he's probably going to be our starting left or right tackle and we're going to be having the same conversations about him later and then tyler guyton allegedly is just absolutely catching on to the system really easily and he's a guy who does not have much um you know, really experienced playing football, but transfer out of TCU it seems like we got an absolute steal from the frogs. Um, But do you feel comfortable and confident in this um tackle uh position, Bobby? And do you feel like it's going to set up Gabriel to where he can do a lot better? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I think Harrison and, you know, just from what you've heard about Guyton that, I mean, it, it's, it's intriguing, you know, I, I, and not only that, but Juan Morris, you know, once, once now that he's had a full year, I feel I, I'm excited about that as well. And overall, like let's also bring up this point. Now they've had, they've had, they have they're not doing CrossFit anymore. They have Schmitty. They this offensive line, from what I've heard, has taken an like just a physical leap um, since you know they've you know been actually lifting and you know really kind of hitting it a little bit harder. So I think overall I'm excited about the O line. Um, but tackle wise. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not concerned at all. Actually. I, I, you know, we'll see how it pans out because you know, it's preseason. That's just kind of how it is. But, um, I don't know. Early reports had me very excited though.
0: Yeah. It, like Bobby, the, the stuff that I'm seeing in terms of reporting, but then also comments from the, the coaching staff when they come out on the line, I, I, Obviously, you know, sometimes those comments or a lot of the times those comments are, are the line as a whole. But I, I really, as we continue to dive into this, I don't know that there's necessarily any point that really flashes out as a point of concern. Uh, I think the line is is interesting in sort of its, I'm trying to think of the correct word. I, depth would be the initial one that comes to mind, but I feel like there's perhaps a, a better one to describe it. But when you talk about a- reliable. Yeah, reliable, but uh, reliable across the board. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. if we're having to sub people in, there's not really, especially when we're looking at at the tackles, you know, there's not really a guy that we're like, God, I hope we don't have to put this guy in, you know, obviously, you know, things happen, but I'm liking what I see from the line. I'm not seeing any, because when you're talking about line stuff and in preseason discussion, you have the practices, practice reports and, and things like that, but you're never going to hear like oh so and so is a or very rarely are you going to hear oh so and so is a, a superstar he's going to light it up like you would hear with a receiver or with a core, or with a skill position or or something like that so it's it's much harder to read into those reports the fact that i'm not seeing really any bad news or really any pessimistic news or people trying to sort of hedge their takes uh well you know not too much is is something that i think is is a, a good indicator
1: sure there's actually a really good comment here uh from 1982 uh bring up uh Tyler Guyton could be like uh, McGowan from Baylor remember him a couple of years ago that was uh <laughs> I, I i i'm not i'm not 100% certain but I, I would love it if we had a McGowan type guy he's, he's uh, not going he to no, be a tight
2: end no i'm just going straight up it would up be pretty that. funny Obviously, he has the athleticism, but for a guy who's just now coming into this posi- position and really getting his good feet under him and getting this much positive review, we're not going to be changing his position. He's the type of guy that he'd be pulling, maybe, maybe making like, you know, we taking right tackles and somehow pulling on some halfback counters and doing some crazy stuff like that. Like Trent Williams coming off the edge we saw for the San Francisco 49ers, some like crazy stuff like that. Maybe that, but. I don't foresee him really, you know, even sniffing tight end. Obviously maybe we can get a little bit funky and doing some offensive line, big boy touchdowns, but um, I think this is just a great, great piece to have because I kind of said this in the past in some recruiting episodes um, in terms of offensive line. You get your guys that you want, but I think at the bottom of it, you got to take some swings. Some guys that maybe might not have as much experience, but have a lot of tools in their tool chest. Where if they do get that footwork down and get the scheme down, they could be a you know an NFL draft pick. And honestly, I'm not going to say he's going to be a draft pick, but Tyler Guyton's got the tools, and we'll see what happens if he gets some run in the second stream unit uh, moving forward. But yeah, I, I I understand the thought, but let's let's talk about the guards. Let's talk about the guards. Here. And I think the left guard is the least talked about and will be one of the most not impactful, but you know, for um, the position itself, a very, very good player that doesn't get talked enough about. And that's McCabe Tower um, coming in as a transfer. Seems like he just came in and immediately, just like that's his job. Nobody's even competing with it for him. He has it, you know, set and having him right next to Anton Harrison, having a really strong left side of your line to where um that's the blind i want to be his blind side guy. i got to start thinking about left-handed quarterbacks um but you know having one side of the line that's really strong that's going to really help your run game and uh it seems like there's really not too much competition behind him and then at the right guard chris murray a guy who has been here for a while he's done it and another guy came in as a transfer um so i'm feeling pretty good about that interior offensive line right now you know looking deeper uh, it seems like uh, Jacob Sexton, Jake Taylor are getting some run in practice. Bray Walker is now into his senior year. seems like he never really caught on to things, um, but just a, na- a name to keep an eye on. And, you know, some other guys like Kyle Bright and Marcus Alexander as well. Um, but have you seen much, Bobby, about McCabe-McTower? And do you feel like – we talked about how we feel really good about the outside in our tackles. Do you feel like our interior might be even a little bit better? I mean –
1: I'm just saying I, I'm buying into the hopium on it. I, I think mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a big, solid unit, maybe a I don't want to say like a dark horse for line of the year. But, uh, you know, it. I don't know. They We if there's one thing we know, we know Beanbo Beanbow can develop guys 100 percent. And, you know, even though we had a bad year last year, these are the type of guys who can get there with the right coaching, with the right conditioning, all of that. So my thing is like, yeah, no, they, I think that's a very capable thing. Um, so I, I'm i telling you, I'm, I'm hype. I think, I think the interior here, I, I think the entire line's is going to be very good.
0: Yeah. I'm with Bobby. It's a, it's a system that's known to create successful linemen. It's also a system that is sort of notoriously complex in terms of, of lines When we're talking about guards, I have to use the opportunity. It is not really relevant to anyone that's going to be playing, but we got to talk about my guy, Rob Congle because he just has a hilarious career path to me. I just think it's really funny that he walked on at A&M, uh, was there for a year, was like, ah, I don't like this, went to Arizona, where he actually played and then decided to transfer to OU for some reason he got some good
2: reps last year at center and honestly and when we talk about center honestly there's a conversation to be made that could he beat andrew rain
0: yeah but i i love i love me a guy that has well i guess this is a good segue into the next position group we're going to talk about but uh, i love me a guy who has three colleges on his resume (laughs) as an athlete that is hard to do uh, even with the new sort of rules and and uh, you
2: got in a- Texas A and M and Arizona before that. What a combo! Honestly. Such a like weird, he, yeah. And then he, he and did then to it's OU, Like, like a- it
0: such a weird. Like he started out at A and M, then he went to Arizona for some reason, which is like that's like you know not to hype Texas A and M up, but you got to see that as sort of a a step down move career wise. You know what's up with that? And then he he gets some playtime, and now he's up at OU and might might do something. It is his senior year I, again who knows how eligibility works now with with rules and the COVID I can't keep stuff. up with it and, and the fact that he's transferred twice already who knows how that factors in he might have a whole nother year where we see him playing at Ohio State or something yeah i
1: think he's a grad transfer
2: yeah, that's usually how it works. You get your one-time transfer the first time, and then you graduate, and you can get that next transfer. That's probably my guess with that. I'm guessing this is probably his last year of eligibility. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's talk about it because him versus um, Andrew Rame is the center competition, and this is the weakest part of our line. And that's saying something because Andrew Rame. We talked about him for a long time. Um, that this could be, you know, your next Creed Humphrey. He's a high-character guy, very smart. Um, very likable, Um, but obviously he had some injuries last year that kind of handicapped him and really fulfilling his full potential. Um, Robert Condrell is a great, great, you know, kind of uh, guy that can be in your room, and if someone goes down at the left guard, right guard center, he can step in and play those positions, and you feel very confident about that. Uh, So I think I really hope Andrew Rame takes the next step this year and really becomes that, you know, OU center that we've seen so many of in the past, Um, but in terms of just our offensive line, when you're saying Andrew Rame is the weak point on the O line, I still feel pretty damn good about it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's not that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm 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 excited about the the line for sure, for sure. Um, well, what else? I guess that's kind of it. Let's let's yeah, that's it.
2: I want to do one plug before you take us home and finish this podcast. If to everyone listening, obviously, if you're new here, uh, listen to this because we've got something really fun set up for y'all coming next week for the um, for our episode. There's all these kind of previews of you know what to expect from the season, what kind of what we've been doing, um, but it's very easy to kind of forget what happened last season, and obviously. There's some things that we really don't want to remember too much about, but I think it's really key to kind of know some, you know, nitty gritty details about what happened last season to kind of give you an idea of what's going to be happening this season. And what I've got set up is I am currently making a kind of jeopardy trivia game in terms of what happened last season to test Bobby out, to see how well he knows it. And we're bringing on, it could be two guests, Um, We know for sure one guest, but two guest um, um, riders um, and beat riders around um, the Oklahoma uh, landscape uh, that are also very, very knowledgeable. So we will be testing Bobby's knowledge and to see if he can come out on top in our little trivia game, it's going to be a really fun episode and I'm really excited for it. So if y'all aren't regular listeners subscribe and hit that bell because next game, um, next episode is going to be a really, really fun one. And I want y'all to be playing along in the chat too. It'll be a really fun exercise.
1: Yeah, no next Sunday, it's going to be fun. And yeah, are like, you know, and I'm pretty pumped too. Cause these are like legit dudes. It's not like we just were like, Hey, yeah, it's our, our, our pal, Steve, He, uh, you know, the, the these are some, some solid names. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, and we'll kind of divulge that as the week goes on. Um, but I got to say personally I'm a little nervous but I'm confident. I feel yeah. good.
2: I told Bobby we're not going to be doing too much pretty much at all any OU history and that's like Bobby's wheelhouse.
1: No. <laughs> like, if there was if there was a, if there was a history segment, I would I do
2: pretty well. But yeah, you know, I'm glad we're doing this because Ty – uh, we're, I was thinking about it beforehand. If I would have made it just for y'all too, it'd have been you versus Bobby. It'd have been an absolute slaughter. <laughs> well, it, uh, it would not. It would not have been very
0: competitive. fair who is Drake
2: Stoops? I'm like wrong <laughs> again. <laughs> who is Delarian Turner? Yell. <laughs> This man was the MVP what of does, the season last year.
0: Ty, you have constantly talked about him on the podcast. What does DTY stand for? Ooh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wyoming is asshole. Why Jameson hate? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> because Wyoming's a <the> masterman, man.
1: <laughs> Correct. <laughs>
0: no, but as, as we wrap up, I have one important note for everyone watching and, and viewing. Thank you for tuning in. We do this for, for you guys. The the viewers and the, and the fans, not the viewers, the fans of college football are what make college football special. That's what separates it from every other sport in the world. I, I firmly believe that from students to alumni to everyone in between. It's, it's all about the fans. And it, I... If, if you're like me, because I consider myself – I don't consider myself an expert. I, I consider the, the two guys uh, sitting to my, I guess, screen left uh, experts, but I, I am not. I consider myself a fan, and, and when I read about OU, I constantly read about parity within the Big 12. It's going to be very competitive. It's going to be this. It's going to be up for grabs. It's not. It, Oklahoma is – We are the rightful owners of this conference. We dropped the ball last year because we were backstabbed. There's going to be an uptick in production this year. I'm I'm telling you that right now. Offensively, we will be better off. We are taking on a better system. We're taking on a guy in Jeff Levy who ran a system at Ole Miss at a mid-tier SEC team and was considered one of the best offenses in college football last year. In, in the SEC West, you know, that's – so now he's coming in. He's got still some really good – I would argue that, that the players, the tools he's working with – I understand the, the Matt Corral hype, but I'd say the players he's working with now in in terms of looking at him as, as a as a toolkit – he has a better toolkit now than he did at Ole Miss in a much easier, much smaller pond to swim in as the fish. So the Big 12 as a whole is it's looking like sort of a down year for a lot of the teams. I understand all the – you know, concern with OU, all the turnover, all the the expectations have to be managed, but this is our year when it comes to in the conference, and I would not expect anything but an uptick in performance from from the offense. There's going to be hiccups, but make no mistake about it. There is no parity in the Big 12. This is our conference. The only reason it wasn't our conference last year was because we got backstabbed by our coach. That's not gonna happen this year. And so, I mean that's objectively what occurred. Right? Like just mentally just zoned out and then left us to uh to coast. You know, what what else was gonna happen? That is the only reason. This is our conference, we run this conference, there is no parody, there is no up for competition. We will continue to dominate this conference until we leave as we have chosen to do because we have gotten bored, because it's no it's not fun anymore when we just Absolutely, run
1: rule everyone basically. So, expect that. Yeah, fair, fair enough. And, you know, to answer the question literally in the header of the video and, you know, our, our uh, definitely not click baby uh, thumbnail. um Yeah, no, I think OU's offense is going to stay elite. I think they're going to be better. I don't think there's going to be a drop off. I'm in, like, like you said, Ty, if you think about that OU offense last year, it was not elite, it was not good. There were times where it where the defense was saving our ass. Think about like the, the, this offense that we have this year won't get shut out by Kansas in a half. I think that is a strong statement to say. Uh, it shouldn't be, but um, last year's offense was just kind of mid. This one, I think, is going to be very good. Um, I'm really excited about the system. I think the familiarity uh, with Gabriel and Levy really helps us out and. Um, I think it's going to be a good leap. So, my answer is yeah, no, they're going to be better. They're they're going to be elite where last year was just kind of not. It yeah, one, very, what, it was one guy who ran really good. I was going to say very
0: short. I I think you could make an argument that maybe the the players as a whole across the board potentially were better last year, but last year we had an offense that even when say Riley wasn't zoned out, the offense didn't know itself. It it just wasn't sure of itself. It was almost like a a middle school age kid, you know, it was trying to find itself constantly in just all these internal struggles of who belongs in, in what position, what, 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 you know, what is going on, like trying to learn everything this offense this year, even if it's technically not as flashy on paper, it knows itself. And that is a ridiculous advantage in, in terms of what you're going to see in terms of on-field production.
1: Well, and hopefully they can be, uh, you know, you can outsmart rushing three and dropping eight. Uh, which you know, a nice checkdown would would have been nice. Lincoln would have been cool. You like H backs. Jeremiah Gosh. Hall was right there. Braden Willis was right there. Just check it down. What are we doing here? Mm-hmm.
2: Also, it's that's ridiculous. Caleb Williams' fault too. He didn't check down at all.
1: Well, neither did Spencer Rattler.
2: No. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a different conversation for another day. <laughs> that is true. That is true.
1: But um, yeah, Jameson. What do you? Just quick, quick thing. What do you think? Do you think they're gonna? No drop-off, right? Do you think they're going to be better?
2: I think we'll be better because we actually have consistency. We're not changing in the middle of the season. Obviously, people are hurt, Caleb Williams leaving. But the thing is, knowing who your quarterback is that whole offseason, scheming around that, giving him an offense that fits him to where he can do his best, obviously, Caleb Williams and Spencer Routler are very, very different. So it shows you a lot how well Caleb Williams did because that was not schemed for him and they had to make up some stuff on the fly. So I feel very confident. And to be completely honest with you, uh, I am drinking a lot of Levy Kool-Aid because what he did with Matt Corral, I watched, you know, the past couple of years, of Matt Corral. And I said, man, this guy is a fun watch. He's a, such a perfect, the way he plays so perfect for college. And um, we'll see how much that was because of his coach.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be good. So, all right, folks, thank you so much for watching along live on YouTube. Um, if you're hearing this on replay on the podcast, you, know, you should go ahead and subscribe. It's pretty fun. That's nice, uh, nice to get to hang out do a little comments action. Um, and thanks to everyone who, you know, were commenting and everything. I know we, we, we weren't really kind of treating this as a and a sort of deal, uh, but we saw it. We appreciate them. Uh, for sure so um, always like our live viewers Um, but yeah make sure to hit that subscribe button five stars all that good stuff etc and um, yeah that has been the schooner pod uh, offensive preview again if you want to see the defensive one that is already up in your podcast feeds or on youtube so just just scroll down a little bit it's right there i promise so anyways that's been the show. We'll see you next week for the trivia uh, contest. And on Wednesday, we're doing our Big 12 preview, which I, I always love. You know, we'll uh, bring on Boat and Blake and you know, really talk about the conference. So very, very hyped for that. Very hyped for that. It's going to be a good week. So, all right. For me, Jameson and Ty, this has been The Scooter Pod. We'll catch you guys later. Have a good one. Boomer Sooner.